Hello and welcome to another edition of Doing Things Better and Doing Better Things. Um, today I'm talking to Grace Regan. Grace uh, is the founder, owner, proprietor of um, a curry house called Spice Box. And she didn't start off um, with a curry house. She started off doing pop-ups and festivals, all of the ways that you can... Well, you can start a business without actually investing much in it. Um, in fact, she started off opening up a front door and putting a table across the opening and selling Indian food out of that at Columbia Market on market days. So the whole point of that is the, the, this, the speed we can get to market now is so, so fast. But that's not the point of the podcast. The point of the podcast is to is to delve into um, what made Grace want to do this. Um, she's not she's not Indian, Pakistani, or Bangladeshi, but she but she runs a, an Indian restaurant, um, and how she did it. Uh, absolutely fascinating. A lovely, lovely person, and a really interesting story. So, tuck in. So I'm sat in um, in the kitchen. Um, in a beautiful house in Columbia Road in, in London and I'm sat with uh, Grace Regan. Um, Grace, tell me about yourself. <laughs> Where to begin? Uh, so I suppose I'm the founder of Spicebox, which is a vegan curry house in Walthamstow with the mission of becoming the UK's leading curry house brand. Um, so that's what I do right right now. Yeah. What um, does leading curry house brands mean? Well, essentially, the goal is to have a curry house on high streets up and down the UK. Because what's really interesting is curry and Indian food and curry houses are, you know, one of the most popular kind of casual dining restaurants slash industry in the UK. Yeah. Um, and there's one pretty much on every high street, I would argue, in the UK and every town in the UK. Um, but surprisingly, there's no kind of one brand that, that dominates that market. Um, they're all kind of small independents, which is amazing. But the sad reality is that a lot of them are closing down um, for various reasons. Yeah. And... You know, I, I started Spicebox for a number of reasons, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But, um, you know, a large part of that was I, I believe there's like a huge opportunity in, in the curry house space in the UK to become like the, the brand that everyone knows and loves of curry houses. Amazing. And it's, it, it's funny, I, I grew up just outside Leicester. Yeah. So I grew up eating um, Indian food and then I went to live in Bradford for university and stayed there for an inordinate amount of time, way too long to be honest. Um, and so um, a lot of Bangladeshi yeah, food. Yeah, it's curry capital. <coughs> yeah, very different, really different styles actually. Um, really different, obviously miles apart. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I loved it and I, but I grew tired of a kind of an anglicised version mm -hmm. of Indian food. Yeah. And sort out those places like Prashad in Leicester. I've got the book behind and, you there. Oh, have you? Yeah, oh, I didn't yeah. know they'd done a book. Yeah, oh. it's amazing. Who wrote it? Kushi. The, yeah, yeah. The, and um, yeah. and Mitas in um, in in Leicester. So right, yeah. in Bradford, Mitas in Leicester. Dewana in in London. Um, and you. And yeah. there's a really there's a there's a renaissance in more authentic Indian food, and I say that with someone that isn't Indian and well, knows very little about India. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Well, I think, yeah, that's definitely right. I think the the approach that myself and Spicebox takes is it's almost an amalgamation of, you know, two great passions of mine, which is the British curry house, which is like anglicised Indian food. Yeah. Um, and a cuisine in its own right that the people of the country love. Sure. Um, and also, you know, my love of, of India, my great aunt's Indian, I've kind of grew up traveling around India I spent a lot of time there and so you know I'd never profess that my food is authentic traditional Indian food because I don't think that's right as you know someone who's not of Indian um kind of origin by blood um and yeah so I take you know all I've learned and from what I've experienced traveling around India and eating 
and learning from home cooks in India and then also the, the Indian food that I grew up eating which was you know my local curry house in Stroud uh, which you know looking back probably wasn't amazing but I've got a soft spot for that kind of food so that's yeah. where I kind of come from that's my approach I, there's loads to talk about there so you're, you're up against Dishoom because I'm certain they're going to want to have the same aspiration as, as you yeah I actually don't agree with that I don't think I think Dishoom occupy a different space in the market I think it's like we're very much like a no-frills local curry house and sure. our menu reads like a curry house menu. We've okay. got all the classics on it. We've got yeah. korma, we've got tikka masala. We have some slightly more interesting, like, you know, arguably more kind of authentic traditional Indian dishes. Um, but Dishoom, you know, I'd say they're slightly higher end, more urban focused. You'd go into yeah. town to eat Dishoom. You'd eat spice box when you're at home. Got you. That's kind of how I differentiate well, They do what they do very well. Um, you are different. I, I I completely agree, but I'm really interested in um, in in what what drove you to to love food and to love travel. What did you cook as a kid? Was, was did you spend a lot of time growing up in Stroud cooking? Um, Meningitis capture of the UK, by the way. What? Yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> don't give me. I don't want that bad. Yeah, bad isn't it weird? No, I've, had meningitis. I've had meningitis. It's not nice. But, <laughs> But, um, really? Yeah. I, that's so bizarre. Isn't it weird? I have no idea. But, but tell me about growing up. Did you Were you cooking a lot? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I first remember getting kind of obsessed with cooking and food probably around the age of like 12. And that was, you know, when cupcakes became all the rage and they were like the thing. I got really into baking cupcakes. And like, you know, obsessed over it and then ended up making delicious cupcakes and then would like take them to school and feed them to people and my mum and all her friends. So that was kind of the entry point. But I think, you know, it started probably before that. My, I grew up, my mum cooked at home quite a lot. I'd always taken an interest in that. And actually, to be fair, I think one of the biggest sources of inspiration was watching like MasterChef, Lloyd Grossman, MasterChef. Yeah on TV and Ready Steady Cook. Like I've just loved TV cookery programs. That's probably how I learned to cook originally. And then, you know, I did a bit with my mum. And then from the age of twelve onwards I'd like I'd cook the family meals at home and like make my parents pay me to cook them like dinner parties and stuff to earn some pocket money. That's amazing. So yeah. But obviously not especially focused on Indian food then and obviously not vegan. Um but I think after I first went to India when I was 18, that's when I really got kind of stuck in to, to Indian food. What were you like as a teenager? What did you, um, what did you listen to? What music were you listening to? What... Oh, that was a bad era for music, wasn't it, that era? Was that... Well, no, sorry. It was actually, you know, guitar indie music. If we're talking about, like, the strokes and the kind of the London indie guitar scene... That was when I was about probably 16, 17. Right. I was really into that. I was first, very into guitar music. The first Strokes in album is, is genius. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the Strokes I was into, but I say they kind of were leading that. No, no. That, that first album was is one of them. I mean, it, it is just reheated Rolling Stones. But I'm, yeah. But, I, but every generation has to have a reheated Rolling Stones. Um, it's an amazing album. What else were you listening to? It's a to? sound, yeah, real sound of an era. Um, so, indie guitar music. I played the guitar. Yeah. And the drums. I was in a band, all that jazz. Were really? you? Uh, yeah. Which did you prefer, guitar or drums? Well, I was far better at the guitar than the drums. The drums, I just... I started playing the drums because no one I knew played the drums, so I thought it'd be a really easy way into a band. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realised that I found guitar far more interesting and got into guitar massively when I was about 15, 16. Um, and then, you know, so, so when I was a teenager, it was indie guitar music into New Rave, the mm -hmm. Claxons. I'm a big fan of the Claxons and New Rave. I wore all the, you know, yellow like drain pipes. With a miniature symbol. Is yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Um, Duken were a big New Rave yeah, um, band. Um, and then, like, ter like, very, you know, embarrassed to admit it, but got into emo quite a bit. And nothing wrong with a, with a bit of emo. I mean, I think every teenager needs to go, go through an emo stage. I think, I think it helps. My first gig was Panic at the Disco. Really? Yeah, at the O2, Brixton O2 Academy. Wow. So I always use New Rave as the butt of many of my... Because when my presentations all are all music-inspired, mm -hmm. so I, I chart my love of music from the 60s, late 60s, 
through to now and the bit that I say you know I stopped I fell out of love with youth music during new rave because <laughs> I like old, I like old rave it's just a, a joke uh, yeah, but, yeah. I, but I, I, actually the, the Claxons what was the other really big new rave band um oh man I'm just getting my iPod I, I, I enjoyed um but I was glad when new rave was over there was like I don't know if you technically class. Yeah, you would like CSS. Do you yeah, remember them? Yeah, CSS. Let's yeah. make love and listen to death, sex from above or something. Yeah, CSS were okay, and um, the gossip. No, the gossip weren't, but I, they were very much part of that whole. See the gossip scene. Beth Ditto is a, a massive, massive influence for me. She, I think. Really? She, yeah, I think she's incredible from from so many points of view. Her voice is stunning, operatically perfect. Yeah, but her whole um, her whole body image, body positivity, that the whole movement that came with her, yeah, was so. Powerful. She was really groundbreaking, actually. Thinking about it, I think from now, like looking at it now, you can't. Yeah, it's hard to appreciate like how much of an impact she made because obviously you know the world's progressed and we live yeah. in a slightly better better time for for all that. But I suppose at that time, yeah, it was kind of unprecedented. Oh, com- completely. Um, and it was the the return of the return of disco in a way. There was just such a fresh, stomping feel to it, and I love the whole the whole package of the gossip. Just just filled me with yeah. utter joy. And and to the, to this day, um, one of my probably top twenty rotated bands. Um, really? Yeah, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe absolutely I need to dive back into the gossip. They're deeper yeah. than they first appear I mean she's she's incredible yeah yeah, yeah. feminist body positive all, all of all of those all of those things and paved the way for many of today's big big hitters yeah yeah um, for certain and um what were you um I mean I can imagine you I can actually imagine you in a band with a guitar I can't imagine you sat behind drums no I never did it on stage <coughs> so did you have any success mm. did you go anywhere well to be fair like so I say a band. So it was me and my friend Guzzy, and we were more of a. Fo- oh, I never talked about like, obviously new folk. Oh, I grew course. up like that's whistling. That really, yeah. That that was wasn't very that all, much. Wasn't that centered in Coventry of all places? I, do you know? What? I don't know. All I remember is there was a, uh, there was like a club under the West Cornish Pasty Co on the Kings Road, <laughs> and that's where like Laura Marling and. Um, Oh, Mumford and Sons and uh, Johnny Flynn, like, all used to play. And they also, and Shepherd's Bush, I remember going to Shepherd's Bush quite a lot. There was, like, a new folk night there. So I was really into that, and I, that's predominantly what I played on the guitar, with my friend Guzzi, who had the most amazing voice, and did most of, she was the talent, and I really just played a few chords in the background. Um, but we, like, you know, it was mainly, like, school talent shows and stuff. And then my other group of best friends had a really cool guitar band called Monty's Moped. Right. And there was always like you know a bit of rivalry, but we did win the school. We won the school talent oh, contest. Those hard one challenges. Um, <laughs> but I was always, you know, I always wished that like, I was in Monty's moped a bit. Sorry, Gussie. No. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> so what? What? what um. What? T- tell me about your average. You know your average day. What? 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 What did you do in Stroud? What was there to do? Well, I mean, so I, I went to boarding school. So I was sent away to boarding school when I was younger. I'm how sure there's loads to talk about that. Make, that. I was going to say, how does that make you feel <laughs> when you say those sense. words now? Um, do you know what? I'm, I think I've got away reasonably unscathed. Um, I, had, I did have a great time. Obviously, like, it's a really bizarre upbringing. And, like, I've spent the last, you know, decade of my life trying to, like, unlearn a lot of things that I kind of had to like you know I picked up like having lived such a closeted privileged yeah. life at boarding school so that's been like a challenge but you know hopefully I'm, I'm through that now and <laughs> relatively likable and <laughs> normal um but, very yeah, so, likable <laughs> so I went to yeah I went to an all-girls boarding school uh, from the age of 13 um but you know I was lucky I was surrounded by really amazing friends and we we escaped to London as much as we could, which was most weekends because I went to school in Berkshire. Okay. Um, but before that, I grew up in Gloucestershire, just outside Stroud, mm. and loved it. Still home for me, definitely. Um, and I've still got loads of friends from, from before I went away to boarding school. 
um, you know, lush, green, rolling Cotswold hills. Oh, it's beautiful it's really part of the beautiful. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tr- tr- truly, I know it well. And Strath's a cool place. Like, now I go back there and I really, truly appreciate, like, you know, it's fucking cool. Yeah. It's where um, all the ley lines cross in the UK, Mark. Uh, there's some weird <laughs> shit going on. I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, you've got to be careful how much woo-woo I talk. But um, I, I get, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in with a bit of woo-woo. Um, so I'm, I'm imagining this posh, privileged, no judgment mm-hmm. upbringing, and then you exploding into London. Mm-hmm. What did you, what did you like about London? What, what was the, what, what did you do? Where, where did you go? What did you feel when you when you got the training? So, so I suppose like me and my friends, my group of friends, and the ones I used to kind of come to London to. I think we were like it was a kind of an act of not rebellion is the wrong word but you know trying to break away from that kind of classic you know public school boarding school mold you know half half the year would go and hang out with you know the posh lonely boys for want of a better term and we'd all kind of come down to London and go to gigs and, and go out and, you know, have friends that were older and, like, had real jobs and... Um, a bit more dangerous, maybe. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, spent a lot of time here in East London and okay, it just it really did feel like quite an exciting time in London. Like, you know, the Joiners Arms, I used to go to quite yeah. a lot on Hackney Road. Um, there was this club night called Cave Club in Islington that we used to go to every month when it was on. You know, I don't know. What I suppose I was a bit of a scenester, like for one of a better word. No, there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't. And I think like it's like a great. It's you know it feeds so much, like creative energy and inspiration. And I'm yeah, I'm super grateful for that. And I think you know now when I go through bursts of creative energy, um, you know with with Spicebox, it really does take me back to that mindset and that feeling of being young and like listening to music constantly and just being so obsessed with certain things mm. and like you know counting down the days so I could go to the next like club night I want to go to in London um, and obviously being locked up in a in an all girls boarding school made it like all the sweeter when, when we well, got here it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a youth of contrast isn't it yeah it's really interesting and um you went to university yeah I went to university in London actually so I very nearly didn't go to uni I left school went travelling uh, I applied to go to I applied for Oxford when I was at school and didn't get it and I think like as a kind of well fuck that then I'm not going to go to uni um, and then literally like the week before applications closed I decided that I'd apply for English um, at UCL I, th- I only applied to UCL though and I said if I don't get into UCL I wouldn't go to uni because I wanted to be in London and yeah. crack on um, and I got in so I went to UCL and studied English and had you travelled before then? yeah um, when was the first time you went to India? then when I was 18 and tell me I've been and I, my memories are deep and yeah. sensual um, that sounded darker than it was meant to sound <laughs> um, tell me what when you stepped off the plane when you walked did you, did you, where did you fly into? Delhi what did you when you arrived in the city what did what, 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 tell me about what you smelled and saw and I mean so I'd grown up hearing about India from my mum so like I explained earlier, my great aunt Dolly is Indian by marriage. So my mum's uncle married Dolly and lived in Delhi. Right. My mum's mum is buried in Delhi. She died in India. Right. My mum travelled to India extensively. And while I was growing up, travelled in India, would always come back and bring me presents and like, tell me about it. Yeah, so India was always this like, kind of special place in my mind. And mm. I'd always, I was kind of counting down the days and years and weeks um, before I could go. Um, so I was very excited to, to go and, you know, I'd, I'd chatted extensively with my auntie Dolly before I went and she'd, you know, given me places to go and her friends to go and see. And I remember so clearly stepping off the plane, actually, because Delhi Airport then, and is not now, sadly, uh, for some, you'd, you'd step off the plane and go into arrivals and then, like, out the door and there'd be, like, this taxi. Was, were you there when, like, the taxi rank was right? I drove to, so I, I flew into uh, Mumbai. Oh, okay, fine, we were, okay. We were driven to, no, I, no, we flew to Delhi. No, I only went a couple of years ago, so you know, I actually can't remember. It was the middle of the night, and I just remember the, the taxi ride from Delhi to Agra, which was horrible. Right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
it was a yeah, it was a funny trip. Mumbai is my memory. Mumbai yeah, is, yeah, yeah, is the city yeah. that took my breath away. Right, yeah. So anyway, so Delhi is just you just walk out and then suddenly you're just engulfed by first of all the smell every time I get off the plane in India, I just you just hit with that smell that is just it's just India, yeah. and I love it so much. Just it just fills me with joy and happiness. Describe that smell for people who haven't. Been. I mean, it's so hard. I suppose it is. It's sandalwoody. I mean, even when like it's sandalwood mixed with the smell of like cooking food and spices, mixed with the smell of like cow pat on the side of the road. I was going to say, there's an, the, uh, there is an yeah, earthiness yeah, to yeah. it, which and I really love. Bonfire smoke. Yeah. And burning plastic. And it's just this kind of it mixes together to create this this really unique uh, scent that I obviously love. Um, and then you know, as an eighteen year old, had to negotiate with taxi drivers who obviously told me that my hostel was shut down and I needed to go somewhere else. And luckily, I was warned about all that. Um, but yeah, for, literally from the minute I set off, I was like, my God, I'm so happy here. And every time I land in India, I get exactly that feeling. Step off the plane, smell the smell. And I mean, it sounds like freaking cliche and horrible, but I'm going to say anyway. I really feel like I'm kind of, you know, I'm in, I feel like kind of, yeah, a sense of like peace and like I'm at home, mm. which is strange. I'm sure we can link back to like past lives and... Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. For, for but, there's, some, there's some kind of like weird layers of geography and history that that are in us all yeah and um, have you ever been regressed have you ever been through any regression no. oh once yeah as part of like a astrology reading so it didn't touch on it but i've yeah i've been told about one of my past lives so i i didn't believe any of that stuff and and then got regressed right and completely and utterly how many lives have you had um well, i've been regressed three times right um once to the womb once to previous life and once to English Civil War, right? Yeah, really weird. I mean, really weird. Could be the power suggestion. I'm not. I'm. What I'm not going to do is say, "Hey, that really happened." (laughs) What I'm going to say is, I could see things happening in my head, and that maybe I may have been talked into that, and it may have really happened. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean when you go to somewhere and you think. I've been here before. Yeah, I've been here before. Exactly. exactly That's exactly. uh, Yeah, that's how I felt. So, what did you? What was the first thing you ate in India? Oh my god! Good question. First thing I remember eating, I suppose it's, I mean, I'd love to say something more exciting, but it must have been just, it's probably like a paneer veg curry. Yeah. I was veggie then, I wasn't vegan. And I, one thing I was struck by is how different Indian food tasted in India compared to, you know, the straw curry houses I grew up eating in. Sure. Um, and I think, yeah, that was the beginning of like, oh my God, this food is mind-blowingly good. Um, and yeah, thus began a decade of traveling and eating around India, I guess. That's incredible. I mean, I, I remember the first thing I ate was was a dal. And um, it absolutely blew my mm. mind. And I had dal, and, I, and we make, you know, Nicola and I both make a mean dal. I would argue mine's better. So she would argue, and all the kids would argue Nicholas is better. To be fair, but um, absolutely, and we were warned not to eat the street food because most of the people at the event I was at had not grown up eating, had grown up eating anglicised Indian yeah, yeah, food, yeah. whereas I hadn't. So I was straight out the door into the market. Really? And yeah, fucking hell, yes. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Because because that you you, you know a country by its food. Yeah, and You absolutely. know a country by its people. Yeah. And, no disrespect to any nice hotel, but they've all that's all been manicured for you. Oh yeah, and it's been you know yeah, it's been tailored for Western orders if they know that Western people are staying there. I agree. I mean, I'm just I wish that my um, stomach was stronger than it was. So sadly, it's now just a given. Every time I go to India, I end up in hospital. Really? <laughs> yeah. See, I was so fine. I have to take. I was fine. I think I had a, I had a couple of I had a couple of lively mornings, shall we say? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was it was good. I mean, if it's fried in, usually the yeah the saying is if it's fried in oil, you can eat it, and then if it's got like water in it, then avoid it. So my general view is, if it isn't fried, I'm not interested. Yeah, fine, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, so you came back, went to university. Yeah. But I, I can feel this really long half life of that visit in your mind, and I can feel. That you 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 would determine to go back straight literally as soon as you finished. Yeah. Um, and how long did you spend there the second time you went? So I went back a year later with my mum, 
Um, and that was really amazing and special and something that, you know, when I was there the first time, I remember just thinking constantly, I, I can't wait to come back with, with mum. Um, and then, after, and then I went, ev- I've been every year since. Wow. I'm pretty sure. So how's he been? Apart from tw- this year will be the first year I haven't been. Wow, why um, haven't you been this year? Too busy? Just busy, yeah. Got, I've got, yeah. Got a restaurant to open. <laughs> and also, you know, I should, it's important that, you know, I travel the rest of the world as well. Sure. Um, but it won't be long, I'm sure. Alpesh is in the background washing up. It's kind of done. Oh, yeah, I need to explain, actually. The, the, the beautiful... Alpesh, when can I go to India next? <laughs> beautiful background noises. It's, it's recipe testing day. I fell on the, I fell on the best day. Yeah, I turned yeah. up and there's a table like, laden with the most amazing side dishes um, for, the, for the new book. For the new book, yeah. You can talk to me about it in a minute. And, well, and, yeah. and the food, I mean, I've stopped eating it now. But the food was... You've got a new dish coming. On, is there another one coming? Yeah, yeah. Superb. was amazing. Oh, thanks. So, <coughs> what, why, why, and how? And why first? Why did you start Spicebox? So I started Spicebox. I'm going to give you a potted kind of from university to Spicebox uh, potted history. So I studied at university. I liked it actually, but I wasn't like a typical student. I really I worked my ass off, and I did a lot of student radio. I always wanted to be a radio or TV presenter. Um, And so I really treated, I treated university, you know, almost like a kind of first job career type thing. Um, And with the view to either going straight into like trying to present radio or TV. um, And then in my third year, it slowly dawned on me that actually wanted, what I wanted to do was like set up my own business because I just could, all my friends were applying for kind of internships and jobs and I hadn't done a, thing and I realized I was kind of asking myself one day like why is that it's like oh I cannot think of anything worse than going to work for someone um so I I wasn't really sure what I was going to do maybe my own thing maybe try the radio tv thing and then literally the day I got my results um a friend a mutual friend approached me and said he had an idea for an app and he was looking for someone who knew writing journalism editing and also audio which I did from radio so obviously I had nothing planned so I said why not I'll give it a go kind of 2012 era leaving university and doing a tech startup was like the cool done thing to do um so so I yeah fell into tech and started a business and it was an audio news app so it was basically a media tech company yeah and I worked on that for about three years did the whole raising money thing building a team developing designing an app editorial content and then, to cut a very long story short, ended up going to Silicon Valley to do a startup accelerator in Silicon Valley. Which one? Um, Why combination? It's called, no, I wish. Um, <laughs> it's actually called Plug and Play, and it is quite big and famous, but no one really knows about it here. Thank you so much, Elfesh. Wow, that cabbage. looks amazing. Doesn't it? Well, I'll talk you through that in a bit. Um, so, yeah, did the whole startup accelerator thing in Silicon Valley, which was bizarre and uh i wasn't i didn't really take silicon valley but i really really liked california and you know on weekends myself and my my co-founder would do all we could to kind of get out of uh suburbia that is silicon valley and you drive to la and into san francisco where we'd just go out and eat and at that time this was what five years five six years ago now like veganism was just blowing up in California and like all the exciting new new food places you know were vegan and I'd been veggie for a while I'd been thinking about going vegan it was pretty easy in California to go vegan so there wasn't really much excuse um so yeah became vegan in California and really kind of became more and more invested in the environmental implications of a vegan diet and you know just really was swept up in the energy of it all at the same time was becoming increasingly disillusioned with the tech world and silicon valley um and then one day basically decided to pull the plug on the tech startup and start a vegan food business i think also being away from home not being able to cook um and eating all this amazing food really made me realize like what my kind of true passion was and uh, having worked on the business 
you know, in Silicon Valley that had evolved into something I wasn't that passionate about and I didn't really see a need for in the world. I think I was quite hungry to do something with meaning at that point. Um, so that was kind of the vegan food angle. And then I'd always had this idea since leaving uni of doing like a fresh modern spin on a curry house. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for those reasons I explained, but I was kind of struck why there wasn't a brand in the UK that really owned that space. Um, obviously saw it as quite a good business opportunity. And also out of just pure kind of frustration, you know, having grown up eating my auntie Dolly's food and also having traveled India quite a lot by this point, I could never really find the food in London, the Indian food in London that I like ate yeah. while traveling in India or at my auntie Dolly's house. So all of those things kind of came together and I thought, you know, it's now or never, I'm going to move back to London and open a vegan so, curry house. So that perfect storm, yeah. you were released from the the startup world you yeah. got some cash out of that i'm guessing to do something with well i did take the cash from the business good um yeah good you need we, we need you need yeah um, <laughs> it's not entirely legal i don't think oh okay and then all your passions everything pointed to east london yeah and to indian food mm -hmm. and how, how did you because originally it wasn't it wasn't a restaurant it was a no it was a pop-up well it was so what so in Silicon Valley, you learn kind of a couple of like really key lessons and they are just get going, mm -hmm. test an MVP. Um, and then they have this phrase like, will the dog eat the dog food? Which is like, will people like it? Why and so, is business full of utterly wanky statements I mean, not business. Like it's, and also if you think the business about just Silicon Valley is like the uh, melting pot of, it's the worst kind. Um, anyway, so... So yeah, I just, I came back and I was like, I've just got to start somewhere. So yeah. I just started cooking in this kitchen, developing the recipes and cycling them to friends to test and feedback on. And then eventually opened my front door, got this table made that fits exactly in my front door and literally started an Indian takeaway on the street. In Columbia yeah, Rose. Yeah, yeah. On flower day or any day? No, on the even not on flower day because... Um, it, it didn't work because no one can ever walks past the door the or most, every evening it's the most horrific place to yeah, yeah. Beautiful, I mean, yeah it's great but you can't you, <laughs> you can't, can't they can't move you can't move yeah yeah no. um so every evening i'd hang up a blackboard outside my door write the menu on it and i'd flyer in the day and sell curry by night that is amazing and people came <laughs> people came and then they came and then they came yeah and, came. and word spread and then i you know this was the birth like the kind of early stage of food delivery in london delivery was just starting out yeah. there were a few other companies as well so I started to do a bit of delivery um people would like order it from west london and just like pay stupid money to get it carried over there um and yeah mainly the neighbors my neighbors just kept coming back and then i got a bit of pr and then through that i got an opportunity to trade at george street market which was yeah. um the cool like street food again this is when street food was like really early days of like that kind of boom of london street food it was super cool quite kind of hard to get into um and Drew street market was like you know backed onto mortby street and it was where a lot of the kind of cool new hot food brands traded and yeah i went to kind of present my food and they gave me a, a slot started in february um which was grim um and yeah just kind of had to learn from there obviously had no experience doing street food or running street food store it's very different from sitting in a office in california sure um and only it isn't well yeah. only you've just got to start you need a minimum yeah i call it a minimum lovable product yeah a minimum viable product in in their language and you've got to understand whether the dog will eat the dog food. Yeah, yeah. Which they quite literally I mean, literally my did. God, isn't a street food market the best testing ground for that? It's the closest and the fastest you can get to a consumer. Yeah. And when, when I build, I build startups inside big businesses. Mm -hmm. And we use pop-ups and we use street food and street vendors all the time because it's the fastest way to get to real people. Yeah. Were you ever challenged on your heritage? Yeah, I think... Yes, and I would say kind of quite rightly so. Mm. I don't think... I'm really aware of the fact that I'm not Indian and I'm cooking Indian food. But, I mean, what I always say is that it's, you know, what I do comes from just a pure love and respect for 
Indian cuisine and culture. And I'm really careful not to profess that like my food's no better than anyone else's and it's not more authentic or traditional. It's just the food I love to eat and cook. And again, I'm just really passionate about it's again, this is why I've really kind of chosen the curry house as like what we do. We are a curry house and we are a curry house in the like in the British like high street curry house sense, which is that like amazing melting pot of British and Indian culture, which is like, you know, a testament and like a love letter to the diverse society that I live in, in London. This is what I love. I mean, London isn't like the rest of the UK. It's Bristol and Manchester and the cities are good, but but diversity makes us stronger in every single way. And immigration has changed so much of Britain for the better. Yeah. I, I won't have any truck with people who are frankly racist, mm -hmm. hiding it behind economic yeah. arguments. <laughs> um, it makes us better. Yeah. And, and, and one of the most tangible things it's, it's done is changed our food culture and our eating culture so much for, for yeah. the better. So no, it, it wasn't a criticism at all. It's just... It's an observation. I that, think it's you know, a really a like... rich, wealthy, not rich necessarily, wealthy white woman cooking amazing, I mean, genuinely some of the best Indian food I've ever had. Okay. And I just wondered if people would <clears throat> ask the question. I think it's a really important question to ask. Yeah. And yeah, I think I, I constantly am exploring the subject like myself and in my head and like, you know, working out like what's right and what's not right. Um, but yeah, I think if you're really coming at it from a place of like love and deep respect, then you can't go that wrong. Um, and I think food is like such a powerful tool in terms of like bringing culture and society together. And it's constantly evolving. And, you know, for better or for worse. Um, but I think like for better, anything that's like progressing and, and changing and, you know, it's not like, you know two two cuisines come together and a whole new cuisine is created that's not to say that it <coughs> it's any better or any worse than the cuisine that came before it. it's just sure. different but that completely and and I mean, it's, <coughs> it's exquisite i said earlier before we started filming they're filming recording um we go to the good life experience every year i'm part of a team and um if you're not there we're sad mm -hmm. you know because we're, we're all vegan i'm the least vegan of them all i'm the worst rubbish vegan <laughs> i am but um um, if you're not there, it's like, oh, what, what are we going to have? What are we going to do now? Um, <laughs> and nice and it's not no, it's not just us. You know, the queues at Spice Box are the longest queues there. Not that anyone else's food is bad. It really isn't. Mm -hmm. But there's you, there's something that you do. And I think you're right. I think you hit the sweet spot between cultures. And you and you also hit a memory of what people grew up on. And, and actually, your, your vegan message is carried so lightly and so gently. Because mm. the other thing that food can do is educate. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it does, it, what we eat really matters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, you kind of touched on, on the vegan point there. It's, you know, what fundamentally what I do, I decided to start a vegan food business. And it's like very, it's a mission driven business. Like, I, believe that our food system needs to change i don't necessarily actually think that the world needs to go vegan or that's the right solution sure. i think that we need to eat more vegetables um and what like isn't creating delicious like vibrant kind of complex in a way food that you know sings to <coughs> our nation's love of like you know, Indian food and spice. Also, Indian food lends itself really well to vegan food because spices are a really great way to kind of elevate vegetables. But like, isn't that the best way to, you know, communicate a message to people and help change? But like, not through preaching or telling people they're eating the wrong things or they need to do this better, but just like put a really great plate exactly. of food in front of someone. I say it a lot and it's, a, it's, it's in my new book. Don't tell me you're funny, make me laugh. Don't tell me why I should do this. Yeah. Show me how great the food is. Let mm -hmm. me taste the difference. So you went from pop-ups and, and, and festivals. Where are you now? So we have one curry house in Walthamstow, which opened almost exactly a year ago. 
Um, so yeah, while I was doing the whole street food thing, I managed to raise some investment and um, we opened a pop-up in Walthamstow Christmas last year, so 2019. Uh, no, 2018. It's now 2020. Um, so, but I, because, and we opened a pop-up in Walthamstow because I was already looking very much at Walthamstow as the location of our first curry house um, for a number of reasons. And while we were doing the pop-up, signed on our first curry house and opened it, yeah, January. And so it's been almost a year and it's gone really well. And now we're looking for curry house number two. Amazing. Yeah. Within a year, you already had the yeah. second one. Yeah, hopefully. That's yeah. incredible. And what do, what's the, um, what does the clientele look like? I mean, Walthamstow is obviously a, a, a kind of changed area. It's kind of cool and trendy and it's not all about greyhound racing. It's a much broader. Um, yeah. How, how does your clientele reflect the area? Or are people coming in from outside of Walthamstow? Well, it's predominantly the area. And like, that's definitely something that I'm really, I really care about. Like we're very much a local restaurant and it's great that people do travel and come in, but like, we're not, you know, it's great that they come and enjoy our food, but we're not so fussed about that. Like sure. we want to serve the local community that we're in and be like a neighborhood local restaurant that people come to that's every so refreshing. week. And like they do like our, 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 our regulars are real regulars. People come up to like three times a week. Um, which is amazing and Walthamstow is so amazing because yes it's like kind of you know young people are moving there it's up and coming but it's also like super diverse and has like a huge range of of different cultures and ages and different types of people and that really is actually reflected in who comes to the curry house and it's been such an amazing um, space to kind of learn about who our like real customers are and to think about that like as we grow and one thing we learn is actually you know our our bread and butter is kind of middle-aged couples who kids left home me just yeah who just want to go out for a good curry on the weekend yeah. you know and it's great it's been so amazing to learn that and to be on the floor and talk to, to, to talk to these kind of people and and so that is who we will predominantly like be looking to serve as as we scale um and what's the most popular dish i mean it is it's chicken corner and chicken chicken masala when i say chicken i mean i saw soy based chicken i mean they really are everyone loves them and ours are good you know your food is amazing (laughs) it is good they're not yeah so where's where's restaurant two gonna be so we're looking in hertfordshire and essex (coughs) wow so out of london London. yeah not interested in london i really again like this is I feel like I've, it sounds like I've got a million different passions, but like another one is also, you know, the provincial high, um, high street, I think needs, you know, a bit of a life and soul breathed back into it. And I think mm. there's like definitely space for thriving casual dining brands still on, on regional the, high streets. Food for certain leads the way to regeneration. Yeah. And what art does in the first instance, artists do, mm-hmm. but then they need somewhere to eat, so food and coffee and drink does. Um, the high street, I suspect, will need more than that to kick its arse. No one wants to spend their day shopping when you yeah. can do it all online, yeah. cheaper, better. And not yeah. saying it's a good thing. This is this is just a reflection of how most people live. So it's going to need to be a restaurant plus. Mm-hmm workshops meetings it's, it's a complex offer now mm-hmm. um but i it's very refreshing to hear you talk about regenerating places like basildon or, or you know places like you know places that have that have kind of come into london for their their, 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 mm-hmm. their food you're yeah. taking the food back out mm-hmm. to them and that's i mean more power to your elbow that's that's amazing mm. uh, and, and what's coming next so, I mean, you're here on a recipe development day, but I can't really say, I'm officially not allowed to say too much about it, but we are working on a, we're working on a recipe book and more details to follow. And yeah, just gearing up for the opening of this, the second curry house. And also we're going to be spending, you know, putting quite a lot of time and energy into building out our YouTube uh, channel this year as well. So really want to kind of create you know, a, a space where people can go and learn about how to make this food and vegan food at home because I think, you know, that's where a lot of the change change will come is people cooking plant-based food at home. I, so I so we're really um, going to focus on that as well. 
Um, so it is definitely going to be a super busy year, but it's all very exciting. Well, you've only got to look at the success of people like Bosch. Yeah. To, to, to realise that there is a huge appetite, pardon the pun, for um, for better food. Mm-hmm. Not all vegan food's better. Yeah. I managed to eat my own body weight in Satan yesterday. Oh God, how'd you feel? It was dreadful. And I knew. Yeah, and I yeah. went in. It was a. It was a. It was a. Um, oh God, a brew dog. They're doing a deal, yeah, a special yeah. deal with with Temple of Satan. And I was with someone that I, I said, "Let's go to prayer," and he was like, "No, no, let's eat Temple of Satan." And I just knew. I knew I wouldn't be able to yeah. to manage with a knot of undigested gluten. In I my can't. Body. I can't. Do, I can't eat Satan. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not doing it again. I mean it tasted amazing at the time yeah. it's just my body doesn't like that amount of gluten yeah i mean it's funny that people are always like it's one of the first questions people ask me when they hear i'm vegan it's like what do you think of fake meat like it seems like this really weirdly controversial subject yes. and like like all things and all food like it's fine and yeah. in moderation and it's a great thing and it's a really good entry point into like eating less that, meat and that's my food. take on it it's People don't stop eating meat because they don't like the shape, taste, flavour of sausages. Yeah. They just don't like the death that's inside yeah, the sausage. Yeah. Or they don't like the environmental impact that comes, you know, as, as a kind of huge shadow of that yeah, sausage. Yeah. So the, the format of the food is irrelevant to me. And, and I'm tired of being told that my, my, my use of soya is destroying the rainforest. Over 90% it's of not soya true. is fed to animals. Yeah. So, so you've got this kind of like, people want to have a go because yeah. they feel threatened. Yeah. That, that's the fundamental issue that we have with not just veganism, a whole load of kind of like, it's the same with feminism, actually. As women rise, then the dying lions will try and put them down. And as veganism rises, then people who are wedded to the, to the old way of thinking will try and, try and put it down. Yeah, and people if, become defensive if, and like, you know, there's probably an element of just guilt or it like in as part of that and exactly people get that. defensive. Um, but, you know, I also do, you know, my my main philosophy around food is like veg is amazing and there's a lot you can do with it um and so yeah i'd like to, i like to focus a lot but we have to have fake meat in the curry house because people love it and it. when people have a tikka masala they want chicken in it <laughs> tempeh masala that's what i like <laughs> yeah i'm a massive yeah, yeah tempeh is cool but it's too funky for the for i think for the the curry house going british public i get that no i get i get that there's a there's, there's a biz- well i mean the british curry house for a long time blanded down and sugared up mm. many indian my, yeah. my first chicken tikka masala in a restaurant called the curry pot in leicester mm-hmm. was so sweet and so <laughs> almondy i remember it i remember it so clearly i would have been about 12 i think and it was i thought i was eating you know really hot food yeah and um i, I, was, I couldn't even eat it yeah. now it but it, it was my gateway drug chicken tikka masala was my gateway drug to indian well, yeah. food which yeah. is probably four out of seven meals in the, in the evenings in the in the week is wow. yeah indian food i mean yeah every meal i could eat indian food my favourite thing about being in Mumbai was eating dal and dosa for breakfast. Oh, dosa. Every day. Dosa was my favourite. Hands down, that's my desert island Is it? See, mine's dish. dal. Mine is yeah. definitely, yeah. I mean, you can you can live off dal. And black bean dal in particular. Really interesting. Oh, my God. Oh, you dr- we've just had um, a black dal as a special. You must do. Oh, it's good. Dal. Really good. So where are you going to go in the future? Just to, just to round this up, because there's something you said earlier that really struck me. Um, I can't remember. Was your guitar playing friend's name for Cuzzy? Cuzzy. Cuzzy was the Guzzy. talent. I Guzzy was, was the talent. I, I was just sat at the back <laughs> playing a few chords. You are now the talent. You've got a team sat at the back playing a few chords. Yeah. Where are you going to take this band? Well, I mean, you know, there's the the vision and the with the business which is yeah i want to open curry houses up and down the uk you know eventually we want to have a retail line want to build out this media side with with videos and and recipe books and i think like you know personally i want to help communicate to people like a really kind of joyous way that they can like eat better food that's fundamentally like what i see myself doing um and just kind of live, you know, a more, I said, a better life. But I suppose we could do a whole other podcast on defining what better is. I've given up defining. I don't care. We all know essentially. Let's eat less death, less pain, more plants, less sugar, less fat, and enjoy and a, and a broader range of things. Yeah. And our gut bacteria improves, and our brain health improves. Yeah. 
and the world gets a little less damaged. Yeah. And uh, Grace... And we all get a bit nicer. And we all get a bit nicer. Yeah. And Grace, you, you're you leading a movement and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you went to India when you were 18. And I'm so glad you didn't stay in California um, <laughs> getting dogs to eat dog food in yeah. a metaphorical sense. <laughs> and that you actually came back and did something that really, really matters. So thank oh, thanks, you. Mark. That's very kind of you. And I wish you all the luck in the world. Thanks. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I really enjoyed recording it. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. Crisp January day. The sun streaming through um, the window behind Grace. And to fall on, on a day when she's testing recipes or, or, or side dishes for her, her new cookbook was brilliant because there was just this conveyor belt, those of you that remember the Generation Game, this conveyor belt of joy that kept appearing on the table um so it was it was it was really lovely and it's just really lovely to to find someone that wants to do or to do things better to that, that, that wants to produce the most amazing wholesome healthy food and put it in in a curry house because curry houses have got a reputation for food that isn't always healthy a lot of fat a lot of saturated fat if you're if you have meat or paneer and and I guess there's a there's a healthy way of doing everything or or a less bad way of doing everything and what I really loved about Grace is there's absolutely no preaching with this this is just the thing that she loves to do and the food is incredible and by the way it's a, a better option than the many many others um obviously everything in moderation including moderation but um thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed recording that with her and um, she's going to go on to uh, incredible things I feel absolutely certain and if you're doing incredible things or you've got a friend who's doing incredible things then um, let me know I would love to um, widen my net beyond the people that that I'm kind of connected to on on social media and, and through my work and find um, and find those those heroes who are who are changing the way that we live and and how we live um, it's really important to find people's stories that matter and to apply some kind of magnifier some kind of loud hailer to those stories um, and um, and yeah I'd, I'd love to hear that coming soon I've got a special um, a special range of podcasts um, where I'm going to be interviewing one well, myself and my wife Nicola my business partner and wife Nick are going to be interviewing couples about how they've worked together. Um, we're going to record the first one of those, I think, next week, actually. But they'll be out soon. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be sort of branded slightly differently. And, and, and I need to work out how to get things on iTunes and Intune and TuneIn and Spotify and all those things again. Like, oh, I can't remember how you do that. Anyone wants to give me a hand, please. I'm happy to pay you to help me with those things. And, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm super excited about that. We've got some really great pairings lined up um there so and again if you know anyone who who works as a couple um i'm not bothered if they're married or not but but um i'm not bothered if it's male female male male female female but anyone that's in a relationship and is running a business um it's really interesting to to talk to people about how they how they manage that and and where the magic comes from anyway having whatever you're doing have an incredible day and um, thank you for listening